This is the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit salempresws.org. That's salempresws.org. We believe preaching is best when experienced as part of the larger drama of God's people gathering. Something spiritually unique happens when God's people are together. We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Winston-Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. All right, good evening. Uh, my name is Ben Milner. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are glad that you're here this evening and impressed. And um, we are looking at um, this parable that uh, Jesus told. Um, and I think that um, this parable, one thing I get from this parable is that I would say that um, this might sound strange coming from a pastor, but I would say that, that religion that human religion is um, the greatest source of suffering um, on planet Earth over all the millennia. Uh, that religion is so powerful um, that it creates enormous suffering. You see that in conquest. Um, you see that in torture, genocide, shame. It's happened within Christianity. It's happened in all the religions. And um, I think one of the reasons that religion has this very dark side is because of uh, verse 9, where you see this um, this Pharisee, who was a religious leader in Israel, and it says that um, he trusted in himself, in verse 9, and he treated others with contempt. And I want to especially lock in on that last word, contempt, um, because he says in verse 11, he, he says, I thank you, God, that I am not like all these other sinful people. And that um, can easily creep into our religious life. And we have to be very careful that we are not like that or that we fight against that. We are like that, but we have to fight against that. And so you have the contempt of the Pharisee and then you have the humility of the tax collector. Verse 13, standing far off, not even lifting his eyes, beating his breast, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So first the contempt and then the humility, and they're exactly the opposite. So the Pharisee uh, is at church, essentially. He's in the house of God at the temple. He is sincerely praying. He is giving thanks, and he is giving his money away. So he seems like a very pious and virtuous man. And yet, all of that goodness in his life was rotten um, because it was infected by this worm of contempt that had gotten in him and rotted his heart out, such that he says in verse 10, I am not like these other people and that is where religion gets so dangerous is when you start to think that you're above people uh, who are not religious or who have a different religion and uh, it, contempt can crush people um, it has a terrible effect on yourself but it also creates uh, inferiority complexes in other people it makes them feel small it makes them feel ashamed and then in the hands of religious leaders like this Pharisee um, it can poison an entire culture that then thinks of other cultures as inferior and feels very justified in doing whatever it wants to do to those cultures. So again, this is why religion is so scary. And it scares me being a pastor, of course, that religion is like this. Um, I was already a proud person as a non-Christian. I was an atheist. I was uh, intellectually very proud. 
Then I became a Christian. I added the layer of religious pride to that. So I have the intellectual pride, now I have the religious pride. And then I became a pastor. And that just adds a whole new layer. And so I have got to be very, very aware of these dynamics. And we see it today in pastors uh, all over the place who just seem to be succumbing uh, to contempt, to power, um, to the things that happen when you become like that. And the scary thing about contempt is it's very, very subtle. Um, it really camouflages itself well. It hides within our virtue. It is the virtue of the Pharisee that is so scary. And Jesus makes that very clear. He's an extremely virtuous man outwardly. But it's like that movie, The Predator, if you've ever seen that movie, The Predator, where this alien comes to Earth, and he has this kind of shimmering skin that turns like the color of the grass and the trees, and so you can't see the predator. He's kind of like hiding in your virtue, and yet he comes and he slits your throat. Uh, he's hiding in your virtue, and yet he comes and destroys you. So you've got to think right now, uh, if you are a religious person, and I think most of us here are, um, how are you drifting into contempt? In what ways is your heart uh, drifting in that direction? And I think the way to really study that is look at your anger. Uh, where do you get angry? Especially when other people show you contempt, um, when do you get angry in situations like that? When have you felt other people looking down on you with disdain? That's a good place to find out when you feel contempt. And I'll tell you, um, just because I am a white male evangelical pastor, I can sometimes feel a lot of contempt from the left, from progressives, uh, from liberals, and I think a lot of that is in my head. I think I create a lot of that up here. Uh, but when I feel any contempt at all, uh, I absolutely hate it. It makes me crazy with anger that anybody can think poorly of me. And I think a lot of Christians feel that way. Uh, we hate it when anyone feels any kind of moral disdain for us, which just shows again how much I have it in myself or else I wouldn't feel that way. It, it annoys me because I don't want anyone looking down on me at all. And so that's the first point. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that we find that our religious life is making us feel that we are good. Above all, that we are better than someone else. I think we may be sure that we are not being acted on by God, but by the devil. So that's point one. Uh, point two is humility. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek or the non-defensive that they will inherit the earth. That's the this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He goes through that. That's humility. Uh, again, verse 13, the tax collector, he's, he's standing far off, not because he thinks he's better, but because he is ashamed of himself. He would not even look up to heaven with his eyes, but he would beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, don't think of this tax collector as a, as a really kind, sweet guy. Who's misunderstood or something like that. He tax collectors were notorious for their greed and their deception. They were traitors. They were they were Jews, but they used uh, their uh, ethnicity, their identity, to get in with their own people and then to steal money from the poor. Um, they overcharged, and so. But this tax collector has come to the temple to repent of his sins, and he is um, he is in moral agony. He will not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Because he is aware of how many widows and uh, how many children he has impoverished because of his tax collecting. And uh, humility is being emptied, like this guy, of, of any kind of contempt. It's when that 
the, the fluid and the pus, you know, that inflames our egos is just drained out of us. That's where, that's where humility comes, when contempt goes away. It is the uh, infinite relief of having for once gotten rid of all the silly nonsense about our own dignity, which has made us restless and unhappy all of our lives. That's C.S. Lewis again. It says in verse 14 that this tax collector went down to his house justified. So his humility alone uh, caused God to justify him, to pronounce him Justification is an act of God whereby he declares us righteous once and for all, without anything on our part. In the sight of God, we are pure and holy and innocent. Because the, the, the tax collector did that, he is considered righteous by God, which is obviously not requiring a lot. It's not like taking the SAT or the MCAT. It's, it's just saying, have mercy on me. And that's all that God needs. Verse 13, God be merciful to me, a sinner. It's like the thief on the cross, one of my favorite parts of the New Testament, where Jesus talks to this thief right when he's about to die, and all the thief on the cross says next to Jesus is, remember me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take some really elaborate uh, statement of theology uh, to be justified. It's simply a helpless sinner crying out for mercy uh, to a crucified God. To, to this man, Jesus Christ, who was uh, both a human but also God incarnate who had come to die for our sins, uh, to receive all of our contempt and to take it upon himself. That's humility. And so if, if Jesus were willing to do that, to bear all the contempt of the world, to bear all the scorn of the world, if I worship a man who is um, constantly despised as morally inferior, and he was a blasphemer, a traitor, um, if I worship that man, then I certainly can, can take a little bit of contempt from other people, right? I can, I, I can be offended and be okay with that. That's humility. So at this table, we, we do worship uh, this man. You know, Christians worship a human being. That sounds crazy, but that's, that's one way that uh, Christianity has this element that is very different from other religions, is we believe that that we don't have to work to be saved, that God did all the work for us. And at this table, we celebrate that man, Jesus Christ, and uh, come to his feast that he's laid out for us with no good on our own. All we're saying as we come up here is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember me. That's all this is. And so um, anyone is welcome here. If you're here and you, you're not a believer, you don't know what you think, um, everyone's welcome to this table. The only reason not to partake is if you feel like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't know if I believe in that yet. Or I feel so antagonistic against someone that I just don't think it's a good idea to do that. Um, you're, you're free not to partake and nobody's going to be noticing. But, but if you feel like I want God to have mercy on me, a sinner, then by means I'll uh, come and partake. So on the night he was betrayed, uh, our Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. So whenever we eat the bread and drink from the cup, we are proclaiming his death, his resurrection, his rejoicing in you. He rejoices in you.